1: Hi, this is Barb Crowley, and welcome to Metaphysics of Youth Through the Veil. Today, we're going to talk to Julie Lore about dreams and the language of dreams, and most importantly, how we can learn it. Julie is an expert in symbolism and has worked with dream interpretation for decades. She's the highly awarded author of eight books and dozens of articles. The book we were talking about today is her new book, Symbol and Synchronicity, <laughs> um, Learning the Soul's Language in Dreams and Waking Life, which has won six international literary awards. It is a practical and comprehensive guide to working with dreams. Julie is having a workshop here in Lakewood, Colorado on October 22, 2022, at For Heaven's Sakes New Store at 2680 Youngfield Street. This new store is having their grand opening on September 30th, 2022, and having special celebrations all week. This store is in addition to their current Denver store at West 46th Street in Sheridan, and their other Lakewood store on Wadsworth and 20th Street. I actually do in-person readings at all of these stores, and you can make an appointment to see me or see what else is going on through their website, forheavensake.com. One S, that is. This information is also on my website, at of If you missed Julie's workshop on October 22, 2022, you can go to her website at julielore.com. And she'll repeat this too at the end of the show. Now, let's find out about dreams, Symbols and Synchronicity. Why do I have trouble with that? <laughs> Thanks so much for being on the show, Julie. You're Oh, you're, you're so welcome. welcome, Barb. I'm delighted to be here. I've loved your book. It's deep in, in history and how far through um, all of... Um, everybody, the Egyptians, everybody has used dreams and symbols and synchronicity. Got it. (laughs) So um, how did you get into interpreting dreams? What got you here?
2: Well, that's a great question. And, And you're right, Barb. Every culture throughout time, every single one as far back as we know, has valued dreams. And most cultures have had more of a practice in it, actually, than we do as normal people. My whole life, and I guess I've always been kind of an active dreamer, uh, my education is in psychology. That's what my undergraduate degree is in. And so it's always been a part of it. I was always interested in the work from a long early age of Carl Jung, who's pretty famous in this, in this sphere. So I always said the simple answer is I wanted to understand my own dreams better and what they meant. So I started studying at an early age what other people had to say and then just kept working on it myself over time. So now it's been 50 years I've been doing this.
1: <laughs> so you can, the minute anybody starts talking about dreams, you're already calculating. Oh. <laughs> Why are they important though? Why are dreams so important? Well, you know, that's interesting. I think in cultures past,
2: maybe people understood that they offered a guidance, and that's probably what most people think. But now, modern research and sleeps they call them sleep clinics across the country, turns out that especially in the U.S., people are sleep deprived and have a lot of issues with sleep. So there are clinics all over that study sleep and dreams and they know that there is a one-to-one correlation almost in what we call the lifestyle diseases, high blood pressure, diabetes, stroke, heart attack from people who are not getting as much sleep. What they didn't then realize, the further connection with literally not only our physical well-being, but our emotional well-being if we don't get enough dreaming. And so people who are awakened In the middle of a dream, if they're doing that over a couple of nights, the people develop huge anxiety, problems, emotional upsets. So, turns out that not only sleep, but dreams are critical to our physical
1: well being, as also. And what happens, though, if we're not sleeping? Why are we not sleeping? You know, I mean, our spirit wants us to sleep, I think.
2: Well, I think that's a, a good question. Uh, and I think, um, you know, you're hearing my answer based on my own reading and research, and it may be different for different people. Number one, people consume too much caffeine. Mm. Uh, we have now a 24 a uh, 7, it's not like all the lights go out at 10 o'clock at night everywhere. People can yeah. stay awake all night. You know, looking at the computer, looking at their cell phones, a lot of people sleep with the cell phone in their room, stress, overwork, worry about money. I mean, there's a whole host of things, diet, uh, consuming something like caffeine too late in the evening, all of those sorts of things. Uh, I think that um, we, you and I could probably talk about that for a long time. What are the things that keep people unbalanced in a way, mm-hmm.
1: right? Right, and, and I'm thinking, value. don't they, don't they worry because they're not sleeping? <laughs> right, isn't it feeding on itself? You know,
2: exactly. But exactly. also,
1: um, if we're not getting the dream information, that brings synchronicity. Now I can say it with no trouble. <laughs> that mm-hmm. brings synchronicity into our waking life, which is Absol- kind of harder to recognize. I have some people I know that they always see the signs. You know, they're looking for them. They're used to seeing them. And then most other people, you know, you could knock them over the head with it and they don't say it. Oh yeah.
2: <laughs> You're we that
1: right. the waking part and then we'll go into the dreams. Well, you know, it's such um that of course
2: is the area I think that fascinates me the most, Barb. And The simple and also most complex answer is that consciousness, our consciousness is a unity. And what we have often called our subconscious uh, never sleeps, even if our physical body and our normal waking mind is lying in a bed sleeping, the part of us that we call our subconscious that beats our heart, digests our food, is never sleeping. It's always listening. And so that's Mm -hmm. where the link of uh, synchronicity comes in um i'll tell one of my favorite stories real quickly from uh, carl jung and a patient that uh he had and he tells the story i relate the story in the book you may have uh remembered it so he has this woman that he says is really very knowledgeable but they're not making any progress in therapy because she thinks she has to be right about everything so he's about ready to give up on her and she comes in one day they're seated in his office and the room is kind of dark. And she's relating to him this powerful dream she had the night before, in which someone gave her a golden scarab, a very costly piece of jewelry. And she's telling him about this. When he starts to hear a tapping on his office window, and the tapping doesn't go away. So he turns around, sees a large insect, opens the window reaches out and grabs the insect and it's a scarab beetle.
1: So and what is a scarab? It. I meant to stop you before. What is a scarab?
2: Oh, okay. Well, uh, so anyway, do we it to the woman <laughs> and says, here's your scarab. So yet again, that's a really long answer. The scarab is a type of beetle that was sacred to the ancient Egyptians because okay. it, um, it, the scarab lays its eggs in a ball of dirt and dung and hides it, and then as the sun comes up, it rolls it into the sunlight, and the ball melts, and the baby scarabs fly outward into the sun. So, to the ancient Egyptians, it's a it's a symbol of resurrection, rebirth, and it was one of their gods, the symbol of the rising sun.
1: And so, she dreamed about this, and then right, she, yeah, and then and so, she had it.
2: You know, maybe it's kind of an obtuse way to answer your question, but the point is there's no separation, really. The waking part of us and the sleeping, dreaming part of us, it's all connected in what the Greeks called our psyche. Mm -hmm. So synchronicity happens when we're awake or we think we're awake. And when it happens, and it's obviously more rare. I meant to say when I spoke about the dreaming Everyone who sleeps a standard amount dreams for two hours every night, whether they remember or not. Yeah. So we'll, we'll get into later about why you can't
1: remember all of them. But, assuming um, they dream. I mean, so, so assuming they sleep, right? <laughs> I mean, they sleep. That's right. Yeah.
2: <laughs> and so what I have found in my work is that there's a connection, a relationship. And what you were saying earlier about some people really being aware of the signs, look. Mm -hmm. and other people just kind of being disconnected when we have the intention or the attitude to receive guidance to help us on our path to help us know when we're kind of veering off our own path then both dreams and waking synchronicities can be very powerful in that regard and they come a true synchronicity is never forgotten, really, because it's so powerful, just like the story I just told. And it can't be mistaken for a mere coincidence. People know it's something powerful that All just right. happened. And I believe, I'm sure you do too, that when we begin to say, I'm open to this, they happen more.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And and so I think part of it is just making that intention to say, okay. Universe, my own guidance system, my own guides, I want to know. I want to receive this guidance so that I can be a better person.
1: So and, and that brings us to how question? do we understand what we're being told?
2: <laughs> yeah. Yes and mm-hmm. yes. And of course that also is a, is a, a big a big subject. Um, I think that dreams speak as do synchronicities in the language of what we call symbols. And the way our brains are organized, most people are aware that we have like a left brain and a right brain, and that those hemispheres of our brain function differently. And language operates on what's called the left side of our brain, which is much more logical, much more sequential, where symbols operate on what's called the right side of our brain, where that's more artistic, more organic, and symbols are said to convey their meaning without ever having to go through the logical language part. And so whether or not this woman in the story I told in the beginning, under that scarab symbol was trying to tell her, and you know, we don't know that because we don't know the rest of the story, but... Um, For example, I might dream of my grandmother in a dream, or I might have a waking experience that felt like a coincidence where someone mentioned their own grandmother, or I heard the name that we called her, Nanny, as a young girl, and it struck me. And so it might be that I saw a picture, an image on a billboard driving by in my car, or a bird flew by the windshield when I was driving Uh, could be um, could be anything that uh, had happened in that regard. And um, it's knowing something that happens without language, without words. So that's how we um, that's how we recognize them. And there's said to be three types of symbols, universal cultural. So like a smile is a universal symbol of goodwill uh, and a beckoning hand where somebody is inviting you to come forward is a universal symbol. Everybody would react the same way. Cultural symbols are something like Mickey Mouse ears or what used to be the golden arches of McDonald's or state flags or football teams, for example. And so in most cases, maybe only a group recognizes that. And then personal symbols are something that only means something to you. So you, Barb, might dream of your father, and maybe you had a great relationship with your father, so he's a positive symbol. Maybe you would dream of a boss with whom you had a really negative symbol of relationship, and so that person might represent control or criticism, something like that. So it's just a matter of... um, how they speak to us. So
1: um, we, and, and the, the dream is different, right? It's, it's right. Yeah. What it, you know, because I've had dreams where they were so vivid. I mean, yes. I can't say that that's a normal dream. You call it the big dream.
2: <laughs> right. And usually you remember those, right? So that's something that, um, uh, and I think it's a good time to say that probably 98, perhaps even 99% of dreaming uh, is just routine processing of what happened the day before. Whatever we remember, even if it's only like a single scene uh, or one image or one memory is something that our psyche doesn't know how to file and it might be part of a pattern that we need to look at. I kind of jokingly say it's holding up a gut spinach in our teeth, something like that. It's <laughs> worth looking at. And so those are the ones that, um, uh, even if all we do is write down the date and that single symbol, maybe somebody dreamt about a snake, maybe they really like snakes or maybe they're terrified of snakes. But to write down today's September the 12th, and I had a dream that I was being followed by a snake. Just to know enough. And then the more we work with it, the more the messages come through. Does that
1: make sense? Yeah, you're almost like working muscle kind of thing the more you work it. yeah. But I I have, as I've gotten older, I've lost my... um, ability I think to dream I don't remember dreams at all Um, except for about three weeks ago I had some dreams which I don't remember but I know they were big I woke up with them and I found that everybody I talked to was having dreams (laughs) that week and it was about three weeks ago it was odd but normally I I don't dream anymore and I don't remember you know um, or I don't remember and that's it's, disconcerting. Actually.
2: Well, don't let it be. Uh, someone, one of my clients told me, I may have even said this to you once before, she said I should come with the Surgeon General's warning because when people start working with me on dreams, they start remembering them whether they want to or not. But no, that's you, good. <laughs> you may not be needing the messages. I mean, you're a person who does readings for other people. You're highly intuitive. So you're mm-hmm. probably getting the guidance that you need as you go. So I certainly um I certainly wouldn't worry or be concerned about not remembering uh not remembering your dreams if it's important but what I do find just like you were saying about the muscle mm-hmm. uh, it's absolutely right I like to tell people if you want a garden in the backyard you can't just look out the window and hope that plants grow you know you have to make an effort and I think that what I'm finding since this book and working with more people intentionally i -hmm. strongly advise creating what i call a dream diary and i have a whole book and process i was given through a dream a seven-step process so i think intention has everything to do with it as well Um, giving a message to our psyche that says okay if you have something to tell me i'm ready to hear i'm ready to to see the dream and and then i think they start coming again
1: now, if you missed the dream, like I'm talking about, um, will will your spirit come back again? Will these dreams? Will you have another dream like that? You know, I, or is it one off and ooh, blew it?
2: <laughs> oh no, I I think so. Uh, as I said, most of the time, dreams are ref, are reflecting on what happened the day before, or or maybe some chance through right then at the moment. And they could be giving you feedback on a decision you're trying to make right now. But again, if you're open and especially if it's an ongoing pattern, something you need to know, you'll definitely get another message. You'll Mm -hmm. definitely get another dream.
1: Good. Good. Um, And the other thing I've had trouble with, I've tried the dream journal And when I have one of those vivid dreams, there is so much going on that when I'm doing the dream journal, I'm there for hours, I feel like. I mean, probably not hours, but it seems like, oh, and then this, and then this, and everything is so important. But I have no understanding of, of what it means. So how do I go into, I don't know whether we want to go into this part yet or just talk about the different types of dreams. What do you think?
2: <laughs> well, uh, I can certainly uh, leave that up to you. But one of the things that happened to me in the process of writing this book was I got downloaded from a dream—a seven-step process to work with dreams—and so we can talk about that later. I think that helps. And mm-hmm. um, I developed um, with the help of Sue Lyon, brilliant graphic artist, uh, just like a. Oh, cult. I
1: know her, and I I love her work. Yeah,
2: amazing.
1: So she yes. <laughs> she, helped me,
2: she helped me design a really attractive little card that mm-hmm. I offer at my workshops where someone can just keep it together with the steps. But the quick answer to your question is at least capturing what you think are the symbols. Like you said, if you were writing them down, you would describe the scene. And the symbols are the, what I like to call the nouns, the people, places, and things that mm-hmm. appear. And somehow the surroundings. What was the weather like? What was the white the light like? What were you doing? What were you feeling? All of those things are really important in terms of the message that the dream is. Who's up? Were are the characters? Who are the actors? All of that is being orchestrated by your psyche.
1: If, um, if, and I've done this. I know I've done this. If um, I wake up and I and I have an emotion and I have an idea. And then, of course, I talk myself out of it. <laughs> Can I get back to it? Because <laughs> that initial waking up, you know, I don't know if you always know what it means, but sometimes you kind of do. And then I, think, I, I lose it after that.
2: I think that's true. One of the techniques that seems to work for people as they wake up with a dream is to lie still and not start moving. Uh, wow. Once we start moving, it seems to change what's happening. Because when we're dreaming, our body's paralyzed. We can't move in that cycle because something else is happening. And so is something that seems to work for now, just because I'm thinking about it, is the herb mugwort. Uh, now I'm forgetting what its what generic name is. Um, is called the dream plant. It's a very common plant, but you can get tea with it in And whatever it does, B vitamins also are very helpful in terms of stimulating the nervous system and helping people remember dreams if they want to. So I, like I say, I think a lot of it is intention. I think that um, meditating and asking for the message also works. But in my own experience and the people that I work with, if they decide it's important, then it starts working it starts, they do start remembering what's important and find. Uh, but as to the meaning, one mm-hmm. thing I would say that's interesting that also i found is if people form a small group, five to seven people, like a dream group, and meet mm-hmm. maybe just once a month, and that can happen over Zoom or, or in person. What's interesting, Barb, is that as people get to know each other and see what their dreams are, everybody else in the group the meaning of the dream becomes completely obvious, even if it's a little more puzzling to the dreamer.
1: So you need that audience, kind of.
2: Sometimes it really makes a difference.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's that's a lot of times you need that other person. Right. You talk about all the different types of dreams, Um, precognition. You know, we all want that one kind of. Yeah. But how do you even know until it happens that it was? you know, foreshadowing the future?
2: Well, that's a good question. And probably you don't any more than maybe when you're doing a reading for someone and you see something, you can't know till the event occurs. But as Mm -hmm. you said, there's basically three types of dreams, what I call feedback, which is telling you what you might need to do to improve encouragement dreams when we doubt. And then the big dream. There are also um, basically eight, what I call, uh, dream themes or dream motifs that so everybody has had this kind of a dream at one point, flying, falling, feeling unprepared, like you're about to give a talk and you are, or a presentation and you don't feel ready, attending school or going to a conference, feeling vulnerable, like being undressed in public or in something inappropriate, climbing stairs, a hill, a mountain, Lots of people dream something to do with their teeth. They're falling out or they can't. I've had shoot. that
1: dream. Yeah. yeah I've almost. had that dream. <laughs> and, and I've had have... the falling dream. I've had you know, the flying dream. I love the flying dream.
2: <laughs> but, and then, but then the yeah. last last one is like phone calls or messages. and every Those are the eight most common that everybody's had at one point or another. And then the other thing that you were saying, there's a category that people call lucid dreams. Mm -hmm. Some people have had past life dreams where they're speaking other language.
1: But they know it. I mean, it's natural, right? Because they're in a past life.
2: Exactly. Yeah. Even in the dream, they're just speaking French, for example, and it's the most natural thing. And as you say, there are prophetic dreams and people may not know until the event happens. And then there's something that can happen that's different, but like an out-of-body experience where... Someone is actually, and lots of stories of people who report that a loved one appeared at their bedside in what they may have thought was a dream. And then they found out subsequently that was actually the moment of death. And the person had stopped by to say goodbye. Yeah. So, um, and there's um, a type of uh, practice in the Tibetan tradition, what's called the Bond tradition, called dream yoga, which is teasing, teaching people. The practice of learning how to be more lucid in their dreams because they believe that prepares us for what we face immediately after death
1: so it's a pretty- you know you know what i want to get into the lucid dreams too and say well if you change it well anyway but i want to take a break first so let's take okay. a break and come back and talk about lucid dreams and the ability to, to manipulate your dream or to change it we'll be right
0: back One thing's for certain, life is uncertain. Do you navigate the unknowns? Visit aviewthroughtheveil.com to sign up for psychic readings and classes with Barb Crowley. You can schedule one-to-one sessions with Barb for personal and relationship counseling, pet communication, mediumship, career and business direction, or sign up for one of her classes. Everyone has answers through the metaphysical plane, but they need help to access them get the help you need today visit a view through the veil.com
2: it's your world motivate change succeed voice america
0: you are listening to metaphysics a view through the veil with barb crowley to reach the live show, please call in to 1 888 346 9141. That's 1 888 346 9141. You may also send an email to A View Through the Veil at gmail.com. Now back to the show.
1: Hi, this is Barb Crowley, and we're back with Julie Lohr. And we're talking about her book, Symbol and Synchronicity. We have been talking about it. And learning the soul's language in dreams and waking life. And when we left, we were talking about lucid dreams, which is a fascinating thing. And lucid dreams are well, you want to explain what they are? And then my question is, what if we change them when we're getting a message? So
2: I love your question. I'm not sure anyone's ever asked that before. But first <laughs> of all first of all, I would say one of my one of my teachers made a comment that I think is true, that all reality is virtual. In a sense, our waking life is a dream. We're mm-hmm. just spinning photons and things that, even though it looks like solid form, beneath it is just energy, right? Mm-hmm. And so when, whether we're awake or asleep, we're dealing with a reality energy and in a sense we kind of agree to participate in a waking life which is like its own kind of movie so in what is referred to as a lucid dream it's when the dreamer realizes that they're dreaming and in a sense is more in some ways more like an observer and has the ability to seemingly change the outcome of the dream or as you're saying barb so if I'm walking down some sort of path in my dream and it's dark and and the wind is howling and something, and I want to say, I don't want to go any further in this dream, I want to turn around and back out of it. So your question is, well, if that dream is meant to give us guidance, mm-hmm. are we then just refusing the guidance in some way? It's a fascinating question, uh, and I would say, even if that's true... And, and I think you're right. I think you're right. It's, it's just mm-hmm. like a person could be going to a doctor and they're saying, you know what? Your blood pressure is really high and your heart doesn't sound good. And I, as the doctor, would recommend you do these certain things or maybe go on this certain type of medicine. So even in our waking life, we can turn around and say, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to ignore the counsel. Yeah. Ulti- ultimately it catches up with us in either way if the dream council is trying to tell us to make a different choice and we turn around or walk away from it sooner or later those chickens come home to roost right yeah
1: yeah a and lot so- of a lot of people who get into lucid dreaming also believe in positivity and thinking good thoughts and all of that so if they see something negative they're going to switch it to good thinking this is a good thing to do, but I'm not so sure it is. Again, like blood pressure, walking out the door and saying, my blood pressure is great. <laughs> you know, that's not, that's not and helping I, a lot. <laughs> it's not helping a lot. And, you know, would you would I the th- um, one, spirit then turn around and use a different, um, you know, way to get to you, to talk to you or. Well, I, I think, think so. that it. kind
2: of. That kind of transitions into the subject of nightmares, which uh, I was thinking are, about
1: nightmares too. Well, yeah, because that's the one
2: of, change. <laughs> but that's the same thing. What what uh, I believe, and I believe anybody who works with this does, is nightmares are messages that are meant to be shocking and frightening because we've ignored the ones that were more. Gee, you know, you ought to cut down on the salt or the sweets or whatever it is, mm-hmm. and. And like the, the one um, that I write about in the book, I'm pretty sure that story's in there, was a man who dreamed that he was looking at his own chest X-ray. He was a smoker.
1: It, and was it's dreaming. in the book. I read it. Yeah.
2: He's looking at his own chest X-rays and realized in dream, he realizes he's not going to live to see his grandchildren, so on and so on. And he was terrified. But when he woke up, he realized it had been a nightmare but it was so strong that he quit smoking. He changed mm-hmm. his pattern. And so I believe that nightmares are like an escalation. Now, thing nightmares of people who have like battlefield trauma are a different category. That usually indicates that they really need to do some work, some therapy, something to help them heal. That's right. kind of a different category. But for those of us who are just not listening, maybe mm-hmm. somebody's in a very toxic relationship with an abusive spouse or partner or they're having trouble with a teenage child and they're afraid to take a strong stand something like that so if any other messages whether in waking life or sleeping life has dreams or synchronicities have been ignored
0: the yeah.
2: nightmare is usually escalates the message trying to get the person to finally listen
1: it's kind of like the shock uh where you were talking about the um the person at the beginning who who dreamed of the jewelry or the Right what did you call it? Scarab? Is it a, scarab. And yeah, and then and then here it comes through the window where she had been saying to everything else, Oh no, I can explain that <laughs> Exactly. This one, it, it was just enough shock. To, I have no explanation. So yes. nightmare is kind of like that, where yes. it finally just kind of beats you over the head with, "Listen, listen!" But everybody has had nightmares.
2: Everybody. Absolutely, and yeah. we get the term from the Greeks. There was a, a famous winged horse before the the one we're more familiar with, Pegasus. Her name was Aganippe, and so she came as a winged mare through the windows to take people on night flights while their body (laughs) was sleeping. And so that's the origin of the word nightmare.
1: Oh, I see. Yeah. And kids have more nightmares than adults. And what is that? Are they just more in touch or why is that? Do they need to know more? Or they're not paying attention. I feel like kids are paying more attention than adults. Adults should have more nightmares than yes. kids, <laughs> but it's reversed. It's reversed.
2: I think, I think what you say is true. I mean, I th- don't you think that more adults have just learned to shut themselves down and stop listening or not be paying attention and kids are just way more tuned in. Mm-hmm. And I don't know this for a fact. I have a couple of, um, of friends and colleagues who work with children and dreams. And I suspect, as you're saying, I think children are more in touch with their emotional nature Mm -hmm. and they're much more in tune and awake until about the age of six or seven. And sadly, probably, they don't have parents to sit down with them in the morning or spend any time where the child can talk about their dream and they can work on it. And Mm -hmm. I think that that would help a lot so that the child might be
1: able to process this. I think a lot of times the kids, you know, in the middle of the night, they wake up with it. But by the morning, it's gone. They've forgotten all about it, you know, so which is the way to go. (laughs) You know, (laughs) Um, you have seven steps. Yes. Yeah. And I want to make sure we get to those. (laughs) Yes.
2: Yes, and, and um, by the way, I don't, I don't know if I sent this to you, but I certainly can. It's in the book as a page, and as I said, I had help creating like a six-by-nine card where people can use. So mm-hmm. the seven steps are kind of div- divided into three categories. The first one is record. The second category or group is reflect. And the third one is resolve. So under the first four steps, are the most, most important of all of it, is to write something down, and it can be something very, very similar. Somebody could also put it in uh, a recorder, their phone. But just getting something down. You said you had a dream a couple of weeks ago. Now you can't remember. Even no, if all no you idea. had, even if all you had done was put the date and gave the dream a title based on whatever you remembered, and even a sentence or a couple of symbols that invites your psyche to give you more information then the next part which relates to a question you asked me earlier but i can't remember specifically and when someone can write down the whole dream type it in the computer uh or record it over their phone and a recorder is to identify the symbols and as i said Mm -hmm. those are like the nouns the people places and things the person this woman of course the golden scarab was the most uh important thing she probably was in a situation, if she was writing the dream down, she would have told who gave her that wow. uh, jewelry and so on. I have found that giving the dream a title is really powerful because that almost gets our guidance to tune in on the most important message. In the first part of it, I've also found some people like to make a little sketch of the dream. The woman might have drawn that piece of jewelry. Mm-hmm. I love to search on the Internet for a picture if I have a dream that I want to work with. So that's the first four steps. Record, identify the symbols, give the dream a title, and find a picture, a drawing. You might have a photograph yourself. Mm -hmm. The second section I call reflect. So the first part of it is kind of the left brain, just get it down. Then the second section is when we're turning on our own intuition and guidance. And something really important here is to identify what's happening in your life right now. So when you had your dream a couple of weeks ago, something significant may have happened that day that identified a pattern in your life, a kind of choice. Most of the time, dreams are giving you feedback about something that either is just going on, like you had another fight with your with your partner. Uh, gave a bad review. You just had an opportunity to move across the country for a promotion on the other coast. Uh, one of your kids got into trouble at school. So yeah. most of the time, dreams are feedback on something that's happening right now.
1: I have to ask a quick question here. Do we forget them because we don't want to know? I think, I think we <laughs> forget them. Is it denial?
2: Them. Well, I think that's part of it. Yeah. I think that's part of it. I mean, and you do readings for people, Mm -hmm. and uh, I do as well. And so, um, you know, you can tell when someone is really receiving the information that you're sharing with them and where someone is just shut down. And you may have given them exactly the answer or guidance they need, but they're either not ready or willing to hear it.
1: What I call they can't have it they can. Oh, I love yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. yes. yes.
2: And so that's the same thing. And then what the next part of the reflect section is, is what I call the or one or several. In my life case, it was always um, lack of self confidence. I was adopted. And so somehow I never felt like I fit in. And mm-hmm. so my whole life. And so most often, my dreams would either be giving me feedback in some place where. Here it is again. You didn't trust yourself. Or then yes. sometimes I would get an encouragement dream saying, hey, you handled that really well. And I would see myself in the dream in a positive light.
0: Mm-hmm. So
2: that's the kind of analysis portion. The first part is getting the material down. That second steps, five is In the
1: first part, is it important to put down the emotion? You oh, know, I feeling? think so. yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Like uh,
2: terror? (laughs) Sometimes it's terror. Sometimes it's joy. Sometimes Mm -hmm. it's anger. Yes. I think that um, uh, understanding the emotions relative to a dream, thank you for saying that because that's incredibly important. Mm -hmm. And then the last part, step seven, I call resolve. Just um, identify even if it's a tiny thing. Let's say you had – an argument with your spouse, or you had an unpleasant conversation with a family member over the telephone, you don't even have to call and apologize or try to make up or resolve it. But you could even just in your heart, just send love and forgiveness, something small. Mm -hmm. If you're having a dream that you know relates to health, you could have the intention to just start to do one small thing, just less sugar, less caffeine, more walking, whatever it might be. Yeah. And then as part of this, it just I really advise people to start keeping what I call a dream diary. Mm-hmm. And I've just published, it's on my website, uh, a simple dictionary that people can use. And um, I have a whole book. It's not yet available. Booklet, I should say. Uh, that's a snapshot. Like who, Anybody who comes to my workshop, and they'll get one if they come to the workshop at For Heaven's Sake in October, uh, it's a snapshot with all the guidance, all the explanations, so they will have everything that they need right there to begin being successful and working with their dreams.
1: In the dream diary, can we put also, or is it a good idea to also put down the uh, synchronicities or the oh. symbols you see while you're awake, you know, or should that be separate?
2: No, I'm so glad you asked that absolutely, and that's what I do in mine as well, because, um, I don't think I said this before but but what happens, just like this woman's story I told at the very beginning, she had the dream, and then she had it was accompanied by a powerful synchronicity and what people find is as they commit, and it's not to make it onerous, as I said, I think people have maybe one or two dreams a month that are really worth working with. It's not something mm-hmm. you have to do every day. But once you create the space, just like you said about the working the muscle, then there more. Then these things even if it's just a short note of wow, I dreamed last night that there was a giant turtle walking toward me. And then the next day something happened and either a friend or their child said oh my gosh, they brought a turtle to school today. And they can say, wow, something important about the symbolism of turtle. Slow and sure, the tortoise and the hare. Mm -hmm. uh, Mother Earth is called a turtle. I mean, there are things upon things that we can just begin to look at. And it it isn't always clear, but yes, absolutely. I'm so glad you asked that, Barb, because I think that once we start committing to this more and more synchronicities occur. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have a, a great short story that's also in the book about a man. He wrote about this in Psychology Today. He was having some sort of stress. He was driving in the car and he was listening to a song by the Eagles. And I think the name of the song is Desperado. And just as he was pulling up to the curb, he, he heard choose, it's called the Queen of Spades, she'll always break your heart, always pick the Queen of Hearts. Mm-hmm. And he was dealing with something in a relationship. He parked the car, opened the car door, stepped up, and the Queen of Hearts playing card was on the curb. Oh, that's
1: wild. <laughs> yeah, that's wild. <laughs>
2: and these are the things that happen. They seem completely impossible. We don't know how they are caused. We just know that the universe is really more fluid than we realize mm-hmm. moving back and forward in time with our guidance, but they happen more and more once we're open.
1: You know, when I do the, when I have done, and it's been a while, because as I said, I'm not remembered. Um, but when I have done a, a dream journal, written dreams down, I, I think I mentioned it before I go on for hours, I feel like, because I don't know what's important and what's not. You know, I, I kind of don't even know what the central part is of what's important. You know, um, there are so many details in there, and I'm so caught in those details for some reason that it, it just, it, it's work. <laughs> so, you know, to, well, to pick it, it certain is work, things but- is a good idea. Just to put down one word is something I needed to hear, you know, so that it it's not so much yes. work.
2: <clears throat> but I think to go back to the seven st- steps for just a minute, I think identifying the current conditions in your life. What are you dealing with right now when you had the dream? But even more importantly, for our growth, dream work, everything we do is to identify identify what some of our core issues are. Some people may have issues with anger. Some people may have issues with forgiveness. They may be dealing with irrational fear. They may be trying to figure out how to forgive someone who betrayed them. And that if they're paying attention, they will know know their whole life is constantly raising that issue for them to deal with. And one circumstance after another is presenting an opportunity to heal that. And the dreams are the same. So when we know what our core issues are, and Mm -hmm. then when we know what our current conditions in life, what happened yesterday or this week, that's how to find the meaning of the dream.
1: Do our symbols change? You know, if we have, you know, certain our own language, let's say, does it remain the same? Do the symbols remain the same? Yeah.
2: That's another great question. Uh, and I also recommend uh, in your dream journal, keeping just a section, a tab to write down symbols that are, that are the same for you. I frequently dream of my younger daughter and dream people would say that represents a more immature part of me or something that's starting to grow. Uh, it would mean something else if I dreamt of my grandma. She would always represent unconditional love. So we add them, I think. And, uh, <laughs> but I think when we start paying attention, then we start to get symbols that repeat and we say, oh, here's Uncle Harry. I know he represents this because he was
1: a jerk. <laughs> Right. So So then when you see Uncle Harry again, you think Harry's back. He's a jerk. Right. (laughs) Yeah. And
2: so then the question is, am I dealing with somebody in my life who's a jerk? I'll give you a quick example. Um, I had someone I worked with and she said, well, my daughter has this ongoing dream where she's being held down by this giant lion. What Mm -hmm. does that mean? I happen to know that the mother who asked me this question is a Leo. So what I said to her was, (laughs) I said, the lion represents someone who she feels is holding her down in some way or making it difficult for her to express herself. And I said, say, I think it's you. I didn't say whatever it is. And of course, the daughter could have been dealing with that same issue with other people in her life. Mm -hmm. Well, that brief insight transformed their relationship because the mother, it never occurred to her that she, the Leo, might be that symbol in her daughter's
1: dream. Yeah. So she could have it, thank God. <laughs> yes, <laughs> she right. could have it, which is great. Um, yes. You talk about the big dream. Now I'm going to talk about dreams. I quit smoking like over 35 years ago. And around that time, is a real hard time, you know. And around that time, I had three dreams in a row. And all of them were about death. They were, one was suicide, me dying, you know, me doing it. Uh, One was suicide, one was somebody who had died, you know, the next night would be another dream, and it was somebody who had died that was there and there to help me. And then the third one was um, um, another death dream. Now, I didn't. I knew they were important, but I didn't know what they mean, meant. Looking back, of course, I could say my life was changing. That that yes. old person was dying, basically, and there was a new coming. Is that the big dream? <laughs> what you call well, the big dream? I think dream? so. Mm-hmm.
2: I, would think, I would think so, at the very least. But the fact that you still remember it tells me Yeah, yes, that's pretty
1: amazing. That's- yeah.
2: That, and yes, I would say so, because, you know, we know death is an ending and a new beginning. Mm-hmm. You had quit smoking, which is a major, major right. shift, change, and positive growth in your life. So part of you was literally dying and becoming mm-hmm. new, stronger, and healthier. So I, I think you got it.
1: Um, good thing. <laughs> there are two things. We only have a few minutes. Um, you had a tarot spread given to you uh, that you talk about in the book. And the other one is you have a game called, uh, quintangled. Qu- yes. Did I say that right?
2: What is quintangled? You did. Yeah. Well, it's a board game based on the heroic journey. And mm-hmm. archetypes. And uh, there are eight possible characters. You roll the die at the beginning to find out who you're going to be. And then each character sets out on a heroic quest. Twists and turns and magical oh, that aid sounds and fun. Yeah. Aid and fortune. And you can play it at a superficial level just for the, for the game itself. Uh, and the person who wins is the one who gets the most points, which represent wisdom. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, so it's available through through my publisher, satyama.com, as well as the book. Uh,
1: mm-hmm. And Simulance this is all on your website, right? Yes, it is. Yeah. Yeah. My
2: website's com. Mm-hmm. Yes. It's a great game for people who, but we found out, we thought we were doing it as kids as young as eight years old, just get it and love it. So it's uh, that's fun.
1: Right. So it's all ages starting at eight? Yes. With yeah. these kids, that might go younger now. These kids are crazy. yes, I know. <laughs> they are. I know, and um, I actually uh, again because we only have about two minutes. I want everybody to know where to get hold of you, what's coming up, and all that. If we have a minute, we'll talk about that tarot spread. <laughs> okay, yeah, well, but people um, can reach me. My
2: website, julielore.com, and and as Barb said, I'm going to be doing a workshop at For Heaven's Sake on Saturday, October the 22nd. As mentioned, people will get my, what I call, source book, my book, and uh, a simple dictionary. It's from 1 to 3 in the afternoon that day, and it's 2680 Youngfield Street in Lakewood, and that's their new location, which will be opening the very beginning of October.
1: So mm-hmm. And congratulations helps. to For Heaven's Sake for adding a third store. That's great. Um, yeah. And again, their website is forhevensake.com. So when you want right. to sign it up for the S. show, can you can, for the workshop, you can sign up through your website as well as For Heaven's Sake. No, I, I think don't they have, the have to get They're... tickets or something, right? Yes, they yeah. have to get
2: tickets through the store, but it's already live on their website. So if you go to the website under the events, all of that is there already.
1: Okay, great. And um, again, it's on my website, too, a com. Oh, so we can go there as well. So listen, thanks so much for being on the show. I have loved it. I have, you know, a million more questions, but we'll have to wait for your website, for your uh, workshop. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. And I love the book, too. With the, It's fascinating with all the history of how we are probably more in a desert of not using this information than any time in human history. So we do have to get back to it. But anyway, thank you so much for being on the show. I really enjoyed it. You are so welcome. And I'm looking forward to seeing you at the workshop. (laughs) Take care. Have a great weekend. Thanks.